You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome, Chiefs Kingdom, to another edition of the Outer Structure Podcast. I'm Matt Stagner, as always, but today is a special edition. We're calling it the Great Arrowhead Pride Cross Pond Crossover Show. I'm joined with RKJ, Ron Cop Jr., as always. But today we have two special guests, the professionals from across the pond that we know as Tom and Brad. Guys, thanks for joining today. Really appreciate you bringing this uh, special edition to the fans here. Well, thanks for having us, Matt. Like, a professional. I've never been called a professional. Like, I know I'm verified on Twitter, but I'm not a professional. <laughs> oh, he's slipping that in again. <laughs> Let's be honest. Sorry, I thought I'd get that one in there immediately. I'm sorry. Um, no, thank you for having us. This is a big deal. Um, you're about to find out that podcasting with four people is a lot harder than podcasting with two people, trust me. <laughs> so uh, let's hope there's not too many awkward silences yet, but I'm doing good. Thanks for having us. Well, my goal today is to solve all of the outstanding issues between our two nations, dating back to what we would call the Revolutionary War. You guys, have, I've heard it called the War of American Aggression or the Temper Tantrum uh, or a lot of other, <laughs> a lot of other names. But uh, we're going to really try to hash out some of our differences here. Uh, and I'm going to let Ron start off and see if he can offend everybody just right off the jump here. <laughs> well, hey, first of all, it's just it's just good to have another verified person on this podcast. I mean, <laughs> I'm the only verified one on here. So me and Tom, me and Tom getting the check marks. But uh, yeah, no, I'm glad to have you guys on. And, and we're going to start off right away. Like Matt said, we're going to we're going to try to offend some people. And, it, it, you know, it's all, you know, growing up, you always kind of hear you hear some stereotypes about that, you know, people, British people, and then also, you know, what they think about Americans. And so let's start off on the American side. Let's start off with what you guys kind of think about us. And I'm going to just lay out some words, you know, tell me how, how off we are. I'll, I'll go through all of them. But, uh, you know, Americans, we're loud, we're fat, we're stupid, self-centered, entitled, <laughs> maybe a little gun-toting, maybe, maybe a little racist, maybe a little bit, uh, rude, fast food, no culture, ignorant about the rest of the world. How, how off am I or how accurate am I on those words, guys? What do you think? Ron, did you just describe your LinkedIn account? <laughs> <laughs> word for word. Word um, for word. No, um, no, I don't. Some of that is obviously a stereotype. Um, we leave the hardest stuff to uh, other people to decide on that one. But um, yeah, I suppose in general, British people do think of Americans as slightly overweight. Um, definitely loud. The loud one's 100% true. There's, there's no loud, getting yeah. away from that. You guys are loud. Um, rude, maybe not so much. I found whenever I've been to America, most Americans have been quite welcoming and really polite. So I'm not agreeing with the rude one. Um, ignorant about the rest of the world, though. Hmm. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Maybe, maybe. maybe. There, there was some civilization before 1776. We must <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. I know I, I want to real quick say on the rude part, though, that 
You know, I think you have gotten a little lucky being a Chiefs fan, uh, you know, Midwest. That, that's the kind of people you're meeting in America is, you know, Midwest. Uh, I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, Midwest hospitality is not the same, you know, everywhere in America. So I think rude is still pretty accurate for, well, for general <laughs> Americans. Rude might be a relative term also, because if we get to the stereotypes about British folk, uh, as, the, as we see them here, is this level of politeness that you all employ. It's like Canadian, but up a level. Right. And it's. <laughs> And it's a uh, it's a whole different type of politeness that where you're sort of suppressing all like what you really feel and think and and uh, and saying it in a in more of a polite way. No, I, it's I, I'm a bit like that. I must admit, I'm I'm quite um, <laughs> I'm quite standoffish with a lot of uh, criticism and, th- and things like that. You, even though you probably wouldn't think that on my Twitter account because I am pretty aggressive on that. But <laughs> meeting me face to face, I mean. When we went to America with uh, with the UK Chiefs fans in 2017, it was you did. I mean, I'd never been to America before, and you do have a list of those stereotypes where you think, "What's what am I going to see? Who am I going to meet? And are they all going to be like this?" And I must admit, I had a whale of a time. Everybody I met was so friendly, um, especially in the in the tailgates and everything. It, it was it was just another level of friendliness, and I thought I was the most friendliest guy on earth. Until I actually went to a, t- a Chiefs tailgate, and it was amazing, absolutely fantastic. I, I, I'm going to add that, and the whole British people being polite is something that I don't, I don't know. Maybe on a Sunday morning, when you see an old man walking a dog, you might get a morning <laughs> on a Sunday morning. Outside of that, no, we're not very great with strangers whatsoever, especially Americans. Like, that's not, that's not, that's not me personally, but in general, like around London, there's such a if you walk through the streets of London, no one's polite to anyone. It's no. one of the most impolite cities in the world. Like you walk around. I, I imagine what you were saying earlier about like potentially coastal cities in America, like walking around New York, I can't imagine is the friendliest place in the world. And London's not too far from that. Obviously me and Brad are really polite and we say hello to everyone, but um, you know, I can't speak for every single British person on that one. It's quite regionalized though, isn't it? Because the North, I would say people are more oh, friendly than the North wing. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Here we go. It took you five minutes to bring in the north. So we're the meant north to be together, and you're trying to split us up already by going north versus south. Here we go. Well, speaking of trying to split you guys up, let's get to some of the stereotypes that we have about British people. I mentioned the politeness, or maybe it's just the proper, the Queen's English, you know, idea. Yeah. But what about this thing about uh, all British folks have bad teeth? Is that is that real? Is that a real? Um, as a British person that used to have terrible teeth until I paid an extortionate amount of money to get them sorted, um, yes, it is true. <laughs> it is true. <laughs> so, what happens when you're what happens when you're an American with bad teeth? Because I don't have the greatest teeth. I mean, you know, I I had braces and then got them off and then never wore my retainer. And now they're bad again. So, I mean, I I think I think that's a little uh, universal, depending on you know. Just taking care. All right, of so, so maybe some of the politeness comes from this uh, this obsession with tea. Is, is that yeah. is that a real thing? Like, is it, everybody yeah. wants to only have tea every day or have a cup? What is it, a cuppa? You say a cuppa? cuppa. Yeah, yeah, a cuppa. It's, yeah, a cuppa. Um, it's a real thing. Um, at least I'd say eighty percent of all adults drink tea, mm-hmm. and um, we drink it when it's cold. We drink it when it's hot. We drink it all the time. As soon as you go in from work, stick the kettle on. There's a phrase for you. Stick the kettle on. As soon as you get in, have a cuppa. Job done. Well, I did spend a couple of weeks in London. This was back in 2001. And what I noticed right away was the food was 
terrible. Let me let me clarify. Oh, let me clarify. Straight in there with British the food. food was terrible, but they have great you know Indian food and and sushi and all this other stuff. But but the first thing I tried was some sort of a meat pie with this gelatinous substance across the top. And I, I don't, I don't know what that was all about, but uh, uh, what do you think about actual British food? Are we missing something? Well, with the pork pie, that's what you're describing, by the way, a pork yeah, pie. Yeah. And as a delicacy that I enjoy a lot, um, you probably didn't have the right condiment with it. You need to have like Coleman's English mustard with it, like something yes. really hot and have that. It's lovely. But um, you're right, though. The best British food we do is an Indian. <laughs> um, no. Um, no outside of that for me like i like american food i do but for me like a roast dinner with like potatoes veg uh a roasted meat some gravy yeah. um, proper gravy not the stuff you stick on biscuits over there actual meat gravy um and then um yeah for me that's like number one and then you can have all sorts of foods after from all sorts of countries but as bad as you think English food is, you clearly went to a pub for a roast dinner and that's not the case. You need like to go around someone's house and get yeah. someone's mum to cook you a roast dinner and then you'll be away. What was what was the what set off a Twitter argument last year? I remember there was one particular <laughs> food item. It was breakfast. Yeah. I think it was a so breakfast that, item. That was uh, myself and uh, Matt Lane. <laughs> Uh, formerly of uh, the Arrowhead Pride Podcast Network, we had a bacon argument. <laughs> it was quite That's simple, it was. and yeah. um, it went off. It it was a it was a small debate that lasted a few tweets, but then it gradually grew, 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 and it's still an ongoing feud between me and him now. So yeah, uh, we won't back down. Neither of us will back down on that one. Uh, America does not have the best bacon. No, <laughs> no, it's not even bacon. No, I don't know. If Maybe next time you're in in this country, you should swing by Iowa, where I'm from. It's the, sort of the pork capital of of the United States, and you can get some pork belly and some bacon here that is pretty pretty legit. Hey, I look forward we, to it. Well, I guess I actually I was going to say before we get off this, I, I do want to ask about what you have. You guys watched Ted Lasso, the the show on Apple TV? Either of you? No, nope. was he the guy that was wearing the Saka Sancho and Sterling t- um, Saka Sancho and Rashford T-shirt a few weeks ago? I think so. I, I'm pretty I, sure. I'm after, not sure. Is they, he an American guy? Yeah, it's it's the yeah. show about the American football coach that goes over and and uh, it becomes a you know a European football coach over there and, and okay. all the stuff that goes with that. I was just curious if you guys watched that. So but. It's it's Jason Sudeikis who's a um, yeah. Kansas he's the Chiefs guy. fan and Royals fan. He's from the area. He wears yeah. a uh, Kansas City barbecue shirts and other stuff in that show, but he's this ridiculously positive, just blissfully ignorant American that goes over, yeah, to to coach a, a football team that they're trying to tank and is and and so it's all about him knowing nothing about uh, English football and trying to, okay. trying to coach it his way, and it, it's it's pretty entertaining. Um, I, I have been watching that, so that's where I get all of my information about England. So I assume it's all. <laughs> well, that's why. That's why I asked. I wanted. To, I wanted to see if they if they saw it and how accurate they they thought it was. That's, but. that's not a bad transition because the other stereotype about uh, us stupid Americans is that we don't understand real football or soccer uh, as as we might call it here. And so I'm going to give you the chance. I, I, I admittedly tend to be in this category historically. You know, my kids have pl- tried to play soccer, and that's just you know that's just chaos, right? But it, but it's fun for them. But all they're doing is just running back and forth. Like there's not actually any strategy or plays or anything else going on. Mm-hmm. I assume that 
there's a lot more to this game than I see when I flip on a, on, on a match and it just people running around and flopping on the ground crying. Um, so, 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 so maybe you could, you can enlighten me just a little bit about, about uh, English football and, and maybe some of the things that I'm, I'm getting wrong when I'm watching it. Well, first of all, Matt, like, <laughs> do you not just want to join the rest of the world? Because like, it's like, the world's game outside of America, like there's there's the first point. You know, if yep. you get on board of it, you are joining like the biggest bandwagon in the world by becoming a football fan. And it is a big deal in Kansas City. You know, Sporting yeah. KC has become a, a big deal, and I know on the amateur level, it's it's a big deal there also. So maybe I'm being playing this up a little bit, but but seriously, what is with the dramatic fake injury flopping thing? Like, what is that about? It's Go on, Brad. I know you hate it more than I do. Do you know where that all started? It was a German called Jürgen Klinsmann. I've heard the name. And yeah, and and what it was, England was a pure, English football was a pure sport before Jürgen Klinsmann came around. Because I'm going to, I'm going to really cheese off some German people here, aren't I? And <laughs> you chase off me. <laughs> it was a, it was a pure sport because it was a hard tackling, hard crunching. You know, you didn't flop. If you flopped about, you got stamped on, basically, just just to kind of man up, you know. And it's it's changed a lot over the years. It's especially in the in English Premier League. It's gone very European, where you have to hoodwink the ref. You have to gain an advantage by just flopping or you know it's it's changed a lot of the positions as well I would say that it's changed like um, the forwards the strikers I used to have an old fashioned striker that would that would be able to kind of hold up the ball with his body get hit from behind kick from the side he'd still be there and he'd ready to, ready to spread it out to somebody else and nowadays it's kind of a lost art so I'm I'm kind of moving a lot away from soccer now but Tom's very much still in it, and yeah, he's I'm still gonna... he's still got these rose tinted spectacles of the the pure game kind of thing. Where I've kind of my time's been and gone from like the eighties and nineties football. See, I'm not going to go all Mr. Brexit on you and blame it on Johnny <laughs> Foreigner. Um, <laughs> um, I, there, there is so much. There, there's always been a lot wrong with English football, whether it's the way fans behave, whether the way players behave, diving and whatnot. I'm, I'm not blaming uh, diving on one particular player. It is, that was it his is celebration. <laughs> it, it is a problem. Um, but I don't really like I hate it because it is cheating. But I've kind of just accepted that's what it is, and it's just it just means now defenders have to be smarter than they ever have have been. And I, you only have to look at the Euro twenty twenty semi final, which happened what three weeks ago, and we got into the final because one of our players dived and he flopped. In your terms, do I care? No, because we won. Like <laughs> let's, let's let's be honest, I would much rather him cheat and us win than lose and not cheat. It's like, it, what is it? If you're not cheating, you're not trying hard enough. Like, who would you rather be? Would you rather be Bill Belichick and all his ri- and have all his rings or play the game the right way and have none? So I'm, it is annoying, but, and I can see why people who are new to the sport wouldn't like it. But it's even happening in the NBA these days. Like, you only have to look at basketball. It's flopping happening all the time over there, in there now. So I'm hearing you say there's a difference between English football and and the rest of Europe, the, the mainland, right? Is is there is, is that no longer the case, or was that is that historically they were two different? No, it's similar now. It's very similar now. Um, but it it was different. But it's it's I think England's had to kind of uh, raise the game a little bit to the European level, where yeah, they have also, to adopt. Argue- 
you can argue that English football is part of the reason why a lot of people aren't happy with football in general right now, right now is because all of the money or a lot of the money that comes into the game, all the stupid amounts, is generated from English football because it is the most lucrative league in the in the world. And some people are arguing that it, it's spoiling the sport. So it, there, there's no there's no way that English football, you can sit here and say is innocent in this. Like, it's not. There's a lot of things wrong with English football, but there's also a lot of things right with it, as there is with all football leagues. Are there differences between Premier League and, and MLS? You know, so the soccer that we would see as compared to, to what you're watching? Yeah. So the MLS is what we call a farmer's league. Um, <laughs> so um, I'm surprised. I'm surprised you're giving it that much credit. Honestly, yeah, yeah. So like, I'm trying to think of an equivalent. Like, like, I wonder what you guys thought of the XFL. Like, that's basically what, like, what we see the MLS is, and that's not that's not a bad thing. It's a still a relatively new project, and the sport is growing. And I I think America is onto something with football because you have enough people, you have the money that, and you certainly have the athletes that Americans soccer can grow and potentially become like a big player on the world stage. But right now it's right. It's not there. I I believe the MLS has a salary cap as well, which I really like, but it will always hinder how well it can do in terms of attracting players. Like at the moment you do get big players, but you tend to get them in the twilight of their career where like David Beckham wants to go to LA to see out his retirement or, um, who is it? Nanny goes to the MLS to do similar sort of thing. So uh, one day MLS will be big, but right now it's so too hard for them to compete with the like all the big teams on the continent. Right now it's Joe Montana and Marcus Allen coming to Kansas City, basically. That's what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically, yeah. We we've got to be careful though, really, because I think from memory, I think hasn't America beaten England in the World Cup at some point? Yeah, nineteen fifty. Yeah, but 19, no, no, no there, was a group, there was a group game as well. <laughs> yeah, it was a group game as well. It was recent. I can't remember. No, no, you're talking about, sorry, sorry to bore you two. Uh, 2010, it was England versus USA, and um, Robert Green spilled the ball for his legs. That's the one. It was one. All. That's the one. But you have, got, you have got a good, you've got the best women's team in the world, haven't you? The American yeah. women's soccer team. It's funny how that works, right? Like we have a great women's team, but can't even get a men's team to even compete on any sort of level with any of the, and I guess maybe, you know, I, I hope this doesn't sound sexist, but maybe I guess it's just because there's more sports for males to play, I guess, maybe. and and women, and women's sports or soccer is kind of that main women's sports here. It seems like mm-hmm. basketball has gotten a little more popular. Hey, I, I, I do want to say one thing though. I, I think one of the things I like about European soccer, and I've just honestly kind of learned more about it. I never really knew about it growing up, but the relegation part of it, you know, how you guys do have the Premier League and, and the Champions League and how, you know, if you don't do good enough, you, you, you know, go down the list and, and aren't in that league anymore. And I've always thought that, that'd be kind of interesting to see and, and you know, at, at the NFL level, or, and I know college football's kind of thought about maybe doing it. I don't know. Mm-hmm. What do you guys think about uh, relegation in general? And then just like, if it could be applied to, to the other sports, like the, I mean, even the NFL, I mean, what do you guys think about that? I love it. I think it's it makes the season worthwhile. Um, like obviously in the NFL, you're either first or nowhere. Let's be honest. Um, if you're not winning, you might as well you might as well aim for the number one pick. Like it's 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 the way the sport is. Where in 
football across all of football you you just can't do that you can't rest on your laurels you can't go through the motions you have something to play for and obviously there's massive financial implications when you do get relegated I think if you get relegated now you you cost you like 150 million pounds as a club to get relegated from the Premier League into the championship so it's like it's crazy money to get relegated and you see big clubs go down there like as an example Leeds United got relegated in 2004 and they were a mass, one of the biggest clubs in England. It took them 17 years to get back into English football's top flight. It took them that long. So in terms of doing it in the NFL, I don't think so. I don't think it works. I think if you have a relegation, you're then messing with the, the draft model and the free agency model. And I don't think it's possible to do them too with a relegation system. I think all you're ever going to see with American football is expansion upon expansion upon expansion. That's the, that's the one thing I think I would love to take from the American game is the draft system. Um, but we can't do that because, like Tom says, we've got so many leagues, so many teams. Um, we don't have that kind of college setup that you guys have. Um, but it's something that I wish we had because over here in, in well, in any, any country, really, if you've got the bigger pockets, you're going to get the better players. Um, it's a bit like, um, I suppose it's a bit like basketball, isn't it? You know, you can build these super teams and it's similar in, in soccer over here, in football over here. It's, um, it, it, I think I like the the American way of um, having that draft system where it's it, basically the worst team can pick the best player. See, I was looking forward to relegating the Raiders. I, that's uh, <laughs> yeah. disappointing. <laughs> okay, I'm on board now, Matt. Let's do it. Yeah, yeah let's do it. <laughs> they would have been relegated a long time ago. Yeah. So, so one of the other things that, that we tend to object to about this this version of football is that how, how many games can end in a tie? I know I'm, I'm in the season two of Ted Lasso right now, and the team uh, was started the season with seven straight ties or eight, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but this concept that you can end in a tie realistically and that's an okay, acceptable outcome is is, is fairly foreign to us. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Like if you're losing 1-0 and you pop up and score a 93rd minute equaliser, everyone goes unhappy. But you're still the happier of the two teams because you're the one that stole a point. You nicked two points from the other team. It's okay. It's okay. Like um, For me, I don't, I don't think you have to have winners and losers every time. Like points make a difference. You getting that extra point could be the difference between relegation and not getting relegated, or winning the league and not winning the league. So yeah, it's, it just adds it adds something else to to it. I, I'm 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 not for ties in American football or genuinely American sports, but um, there's no way that I would want to introduce like golden goal overtime or penalty shootouts every single time that there's a tie in a football match because it, the penalty shootouts, for example are special for a reason because they happen so infrequently where if they were happening every week, you're getting into the realms of just a lottery between who's going to win and who's not. I'm impressed that you're prepared to talk about penalty shootouts. Uh, this yeah. <laughs> Right? Yeah. yeah. A little too I, soon. Jeez. I wasn't going to bring that up and, and that, that was heartbreaking. Even from over here, that was heartbreaking. Like, no, the, I, this, I, I, I will say that was that was the first time I've watched a European football game uh, from start to finish, and that was the most riveting. I mean, I've I've never been glued to my TV like that for any sort of game besides like football. Honestly, like even I, I'd say that was just and it's and like you were kind of mentioning earlier how it's the world's game and how just how much how much passion goes into it and everything. That's what really gets me. That's what I love about sports, obviously. And and so yeah, no, I I, I will say you know I, I know it's a little too soon, little sore subject for you guys, but. That was a heck of a game, and that actually got me kind of excited about uh, soccer a little bit. 
Well, I appreciate it, Ron. I appreciate that. <laughs> you've got him writing this down. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've just you've just ripped a plaster off my up arm. Memories. I don't. I don't know why I'm doing that to you guys. Jeez. Uh, if you don't know Tom, Tom is Mr. England, and uh, yeah, he's it's taken him a long time to get over the uh, the I'm final not. defeat. I'm not. So what it seems like is that the team you root for is really a part of your identity, you know, and and there's. There seems like there's a lot more options on teams to root for than maybe there are here. You know, I'm I live in Iowa. There's not a professional sports team or a major league professional sports team here. We watch mm-hmm. the minor league baseball team, uh, which is a good time, but it's not something people get excited about. So, like Kansas City, there's there's some Royals and, and Chiefs fans here. There's some Bears fans here. There's some Vikings fans here. But like, how do you pick which team you root for? And if and if I were to get into Premier League football where should I start looking for like a player or a franchise or somebody that, that I can get excited about? Brad, do you want to go first? Do you want to put your pitch in first? or shall I, put um, mine? I, I wouldn't wish Newcastle United on anybody at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's my team, Newcastle United. They were a big hitter at one point. We did have the most expensive striker in the world at 15 million pounds. Wow. Um, and yeah, it's just gone from worse to worse, really. We've got a, a very horrible owner um, that we can't get rid of. <laughs> he wants to sell, but the Premier League won't let him sell. Um, it's just it's just a horror show at the minute. So if you like horrors, go for the Newcastle United. And if you like being ever the optimist, but not actually producing much substance anymore, um, then yeah, support Arsenal. That's who I support. <laughs> um, with, 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 with football, you kind of go, you get told who to support by your dad. Yeah. Is, is you just get forced like I've done it to my kids my kids uh, were two and three when I bought them their first kit they have no idea what it is but they're, they're wearing it and I've got pictures to prove that to pictures to prove that they wore it as well so when they can show them when they're older yeah your dad chooses your team I would support Arsenal if I was you because they're in London they wear red and white you're only if you're going to come to England, you're only going to go to London, aren't you? Let's be honest you might you might venture out for a day but you're going you're going to fly into London so don't venture too far. I have season tickets. I can get you to, I can bring you two along if you want to. There you go. Easy sell. Job done. There you go. <laughs> the only thing we see here, I do see a lot of people wearing Manchester United stuff. Here. Like not a lot, but like you see it around. Is that the biggest name in, in or is that like the Yankees? Yeah. Of yeah they're, they're, the, they're the Yankees. Like the equivalent for American football over here is, um, the Patriots, like the Patriots have a lot of supporters over here and that's mainly down to their success. It's the same with Man United. Man United have had like two or three er- different eras with huge success. Um, they've gone like a couple of decades in between, but they've had those eras and because of those eras, the fan base over here is is huge and especially like people my age, not necessarily Brad's, but my age, um, early 30s, there are so many Man United supporters because of how successful they were in the early early to late 90s and the early 2000s as well. It was mainly Liverpool, I think, from my era, like the, the 80s, Liverpool were winning everything uh, at that point. And uh, you got a lot of uh, following for Liverpool. And, and they're in pretty much the same region as well, which is strange, which you would think that, you know, some of the biggest teams in England would have been from London, which you do have them. You obviously, you've got the Chelsea's, you've got the, Ars- the Arsenal's. Um, I was going to say Tottenham, but I, I, they're not a big club really, are they, Tom? Nope. <laughs> well, I had one last question in this section before we move on, and and then we're going to need to take a break pretty shortly thereafter. So we'll continue our 
our comparisons from across the pond right after the break. But can you explain offsides to me? I know that's the most ignorant uh, question, but it sure looks like it's it's like the equivalent of saying a wide receiver can't you know get past the defense yeah. and score. If it, it feels it feels really strange when you see a fast break and then it's all of a sudden you know it's it's a penalty. So I looked this up because I had a feeling this question was going to come because um, it always does. So I started googling earlier like the best ways to explain the offside rule in real terms, and there was an example to do with shopping. And I thought, that's too sexist for me to, to assume that it's women that only gets the offside rule explained to them. So I thought, I'll put it in yours two terms. So here we go. You ready? Let's right. It. Let's imagine you. one of you has just walked into Joe's and you want a Z-Man's, okay? And in front of you, there's one person waiting. But behind the counter, there's only one Z-Man's left. And you both want that Z-Man's, Okay both the bloke in front of you and you. But then you both realize that you've lost your wallet. And so you shout to Ron, you go, Ron, chuck me your bank card. And as he throws that bank card, you can then start moving to the front of the queue to get the Z-Mans because you're ready. You're ready to buy it. But you can't start moving to the front of the queue until that bank card has been thrown. Because if you move too early, you'll be offside. So you're saying there's one person in front of me and if I, but I don't have my wallet with me. That's what yeah. you're saying. Yeah. So and nor do they. If I, and if I cut they. the line now, if I elbow this guy out of the way, yeah, I'm not before prepared you to get pay for the food. Yeah, yeah. Then I'm offside. But if yeah, I've got, exactly. if you go past him and then you and then the the wallet's thrown, you're offside. But if you go if you move past him after it's been thrown, you're onside. But after it's thrown, all right, so I'm, I'm going back to actual football here. So <laughs> after, after the pass is on its way or after as soon as it leaves your hand or leaves the foot, you can start moving. But you're not allowed to go past that bloke until it's left Ron's hand. Is it like a kickoff in American football where the the coverage uh, uh, team? Yes, yeah, sim- similar, yeah. very similar. Just imagine that the guys, instead of running past the kicker, they're running past the defenders like 10 yards down the field. So, yeah. I, th- I thought that was a great analogy, Tom. I thought that was a great way to explain it. I, I think, I think <laughs> we're going to have some all, listeners appreciate that. because that exactly, that All of way. your listeners are now really hungry and just like jumping in the car down to Joe's <laughs> right now. Don't forget your bank card when you go to Z-Man. To go get a Z-Man. Yeah, that, that's the lesson. That makes perfect sense to me. I don't know are. how that applies to football, but uh, with that, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And we'll be right back with a, a quick game and then some of your Twitter questions on the Out of Structure podcast special edition from across the pond. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. 
And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome back to the Anglo-American edition of the Out of Structure podcast with myself, Tom Childs, Brad Simcox, and the two guests, Ron Cop Jr. and Matt Stagner. Um, <laughs> before we get going on part two of the show, we were talking about stereo- uh, stereotypes before the break, weren't we? And talking about bad teeth, gun-touting, rude, polite, and all that. Well, a stereotype to do with England and the British Isles in general is terrible weather. Well, that stereotype is true right now. It's the 27th of July, it's uh, 7.45 in the evening, and it is pissing it down outside my house. So, <laughs> wait, wait. washing it down. Who, who's doing what outside your house? <laughs> uh, yeah, pissing it down is another term for uh, raining. Pissing is also another term for having a wee. And being pissed is a term for being drunk. So yeah, we use the word piss quite a lot. The only way we don't use it is the way you guys use it. Yeah, I, yeah. Which actually, no, we do. We do say pissed off. We do say pissed off, but not as much as you guys do, I suppose. Yeah, but they forget to say the off bit. They just say I'd be pissed. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Then, you, then you think we mean drunk? Yeah. <laughs> well, that brings us right into our next segment. In fact, I think that was a nice lead-in, Tom. Our goal here is to sort of explore some of these expressions that don't make any sense if you're on the wrong side of the pond or the right side, depending on your perspective. So I'm going to throw this out there. And I, I've told the team here to, to not reveal these expressions until right now. So there's no time for Googling, no time for prep. <laughs> so I want to see how many of these expressions that we use that you all recognize and vice versa and I'm actually going to keep score here in true American fashion. There'll be no ties. We will <laughs> find a winner in this game. So I'll, I'll defer to the colonizers first. Uh, Brad, Tom, who, whichever one of you is ready to go, fire off some ridiculous British expressions that we may not know and see if you can stump us. Can I just, uh, can I just put something on the line here? Does, if we win this, do we win your country back? <laughs> You can have it. <laughs> Good luck with that. Um, you mentioned gun toting earlier, right? So uh, <laughs> we are a well-armed uh, militia. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Tell you what, we we've got a list of uh, of phrases and and words as well that you might be. Uh, it might might flummox you a little bit on this. Um, the first one I've got is: Do you know what a quid is? So a quid, I believe, from watching a lot of movies, is like, is that one pound? That's correct. Well ding, done. Ding, yeah. ding, ding, ding. All right. Thanks. If I was not I did, not, know, I did not know that one. <laughs> <laughs> I was, it, it's, it would be the equivalent of us using the word uh, a buck, right? Which yeah. is something that's, that's right. Yeah. You may not recognize as an American dollar. Go. All right. I've got another one. If I was knackered, what am I? Oh. Ryan, you got to guess that. Are we team? We're teams, right? You got to you gotta help me out here, Stags. If you know, we're team. We're uh, team here. He's got one right. Knackered means, <laughs> that means drunk as well, right? No, no, tired. Tired? Oh, uh, yeah. oh that, that makes tired. sense. I could see so that. We don't lose points for getting one wrong, right? If no, 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 that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. How many do you want could, us to do? Because Brad sent us a list. <laughs> Brad come up with a list. I've got like a long list here. <laughs> All right, Ryan, go ahead. Go ahead with your first one. 
Okay, good. All right, let's do this. So, if I were to wear a uh, wear a sweater, what would I be wearing? What do you What do you guys call Ooh, this? It's, a, it's like a jumper, isn't it? It's like a, a long sleeve jumper, isn't it? Top or something. Dang it! Yeah, I, I, is that right? Yes, I, I was going for it, but I'll. I'll I assume long sleeve top. I'll, I'll give the point to Brad on that one. That's the closest. Thing <laughs> <laughs> All right, started with a better one. <laughs> if I said something was um, catty corner, sorry, say something is catty corner, e corner, catty cornered from here. I have no idea. Catty corner. Some people will pronounce it kitty corner, but it is uh it means diagonally. So across, you know, it would ah, be Ron yeah. and Brad in our in our Zoom chat here. Oh, okay. Okay. Never heard All of right. that. If I was skint, what am I? Skint. Or another word could be brassic. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> it's malnourished. It's the same thing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Malnourished>. <laughs> Do I look malnourished, Ron? You're seeing me, right? <laughs> you don't, but... <laughs> um, no, skin or brassic means you have no money. Uh, or have very little money. All right. Skin or brassic. Poor, basically. Yeah. Brad, do you have another one? Yeah. Um, if I was having some plonk, what would it be? Jeez, you guys got some good ones. Having uh, some plonk? I, I assume that plunk. means... I assume that means going to the bathroom at number two, but that's <laughs> <laughs> what it sounds like. <laughs> no, it means it means wine. Having a glass of plunk. Plunk. All right. Makes sense. You're going to use them tonight, aren't you? You're going to get home and go, hello, darling. Can you uh, get me a bottle of plunk? It's <laughs> like, what? <laughs> hey, I got a better one. I got a better one. Okay. Better in the first one. Redemption time. So, if I were to ask for your John Hancock, what would I be asking for? I'd say, no, you can't have my John Hancock. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know. Like, John my brain automatically goes to rhyming slang when I hear things like that. Yeah. So, I'm automatically trying to think of something that rhymes with cock. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, can't, I can't think of anything. Or Tommy Tank. <laughs> yeah. Or if, if, you, if you're a fan of the movie Tommy Boy with Chris Farley, it'd be Herbie Hancock. But uh, no, John Hancock. You John cut Hancock. out just as you were explaining what it was. I'm sorry, Matt. I'm on the cliffhanger now. <laughs> John Hancock means your signature is after John Hancock, American patriot, the way he signed the Declaration of Independence, very large. Uh, yeah, I figured, I, figured that uh, one, I figured that one isn't used over there. So. <laughs> yeah, for some reason. I, I can't put my finger on why. Yeah. That's not- <laughs> <laughs> All right. What if we said, uh, I, I'm going to plead the fifth. What's plead the fifth mean? That means you're not gonna you're not not gonna talk, so you can't criminalize yourself. There you go. Is that right? That's right. I, I see that. Do I see that in like CSI and things like that. <laughs> we learn everything from TV. Yes. Yeah. I think we've quite versed on your your constitution. Yeah. <laughs> we, we 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 don't know what's in our constitution. We don't have one, Brad. (laughs) 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 All right. How about some country sayings from back home? Like uh, if if somebody said pertinier, do you know what pertinier means? No, no. I don't, I don't even know what that means. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you two should have a go against each other. (laughs) (laughs) So, so if somebody, this is, this seems to be a British thing to do where you shorten words or smash them together. It means like, pretty near or like almost or in close to 
I'm Pertnir. Pertnir. We're Pertnir out of time. Oh, okay. Pertnir. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Cool. I like. Yeah. I like that it. Sounds southern. It does. Yeah. Really yeah. That's, that's really some southern. back home. That's some back home stuff. <laughs> All right, Brad. Go ahead. If you got another one. All right. Um, if I was having a chin wag, what I, what would I be doing? That's just talking to somebody, right? Having a conversation. Oh, damn it. Yeah, it is. You got it. <laughs> I, Stags is carrying us Americans. Taking the lead here. <laughs> if, we're, if we're scoring this individually, I've got two. Brad and Tom each have one, and Ron has yet to uh, identify one. All right. So, <laughs> so Tom, give Ron a chance. Go ahead. Okie dokie. Um, if I was having a chip buddy, what am I having? Yeah. <laughs> mm, I have no Chip clue. Buddy. I'm going to guess a, a a quick meal. I don't know why that came to my mind. Quick snack, so quick meal. A chip bay is what you would call a French fry sandwich. Ooh, at least I got the food part of it right. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is that so, a thing? Like, I've French had fry sandwich. fries in it, but I didn't know that was like an actual thing. Yeah, yeah. Like, if, whenever you get fish and chips, you, you always have like a slice of bread with it and... Stick some chips in it. Yeah, it's great. It's, it's, you, you might be sitting there thinking, "Yep, I was definitely right about the food thing." But, <laughs> but, um, but we're talking like big, chunky, like fried proper chips. Not, not 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 skinny French French fries you get at McDonald's. Like actual chips. Like yeah, proper chips. So if somebody said they were schlepping it, you know what that would mean? <laughs> um, I've got such a dirty mind. This, this is sort of a <laughs> Sort of a New York type expression, but schlepping it. Schlepping it. Um, that sounds like a Sean Connery phrase. That um, <laughs> I don't schlepped know. in. I've schlepped in money, Penny. Um, schlepping it. I don't know. I don't know. So it's like you're you're dragging or carrying your stuff like a long distance. You're schlepping it across campus with all your books. You know. You're- ah, uh, do you know what? I haven't done as well at, as well as this as I thought I was going to. Same. I thought I was going to do a lot better than this. I'm. Slightly ashamed, Brad. Maybe give him another chance here. I got one. What about taking a rain check? What what would we be doing if I said we're gonna take a rain check? Ah, it means you're gonna you're gonna agree to do something next time with that person. Got it. Yeah. yeah. I'll allow it. I was really hoping yeah, you guys would say you go outside and just make sure it's not raining. <laughs> 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 All right, Tom, you got some more for us? Oh, back to the phone. Back to the phone. I'm sorry. Unprepared. Poor me. Um, do, do, do. I was going to use... No, I'm not going to say this one. Um, a kip. Wait, did you say kip or kit? Yep. If you were having kip. a kip. K-I-P. Having a kip. So, like, that's a little, like a little ten, t- uh, temper tantrum. No. I, I would say smoking, but having a no. kip. No. Is having a, like a sleep, a short sleep, like a nap, a nap, like a nap. A nap. Yeah. yeah, like a nap. Kip, a nap. Kip. I'm gonna start using that. Kip. All right. Kip. <laughs> Ron, holler at him with another one. What do you got, Ron? Okay. If I were to, uh, let's see. If I were to spill the beans about something, what was I? What, what did I do? Do I? You're unveiling a secret. Like, Dang it. I did not have good ones, I guess. Jeez. Spill the beans is what we, we use spill the beans here. Oh, well, the internet lied to me. <laughs> what about if somebody said you were snookered? Snookered? Snookered. Like you're stuck. Or could be pronounced snockered. Snookered or snockered. Either one. I would say you're stuck, yeah. 
He's stuck. I think it means we're intoxicated once again. Schnookered, snackered. Or it could huh. it could mean you're in trouble. You're in a bad situation, right? Because I think it'd be really? there we go. I, I you have a few stacks that I've never heard of. So <laughs> put that out He's there. making these up, isn't he? <laughs> Just making up words. I uh, all right. Like fixing the do you know fixing the? Like I'm I'm fixing to go outside. Nope. nope. <laughs> Can you tell by the blank looks on our faces? That's country also, but it's what it means. I'm I'm getting ready to. I'm preparing to go outside. I'm, I'm fixing okay. it. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. So it's two two for Tom, two for Brad, two for me, and Ron is yet to get on the board. Please let Ron redeem himself. I'm going to keep my mouth shut and let Ron have this. So are we are we going until uh, until Ron gets one? Is that what we're saying? <laughs> we're going to be here all day we're, if that's okay. right, that his, right, yeah. Here we go. Right, right. You're not going to do a Ben Simmons. We're handing you a layup. You're not passing <laughs> this one off. Okay, Ron. Here we go. Right. Got it. What's a cash point? A cash point. Yeah. That ATM. is a layup. ATM. I'm going to get like yeah. an. You know, Money. Okay. Yes. That one is that one's way too obvious. I mean, that's that's word for word right there. So if I didn't get that one. Well, contrary to my prior claim, we are ending in a three-way tie with myself and both of our British friends. Uh, so that was fun. We could do that all day long. I think there's a lot more where that came from, but it is training camp time. So we should talk a little bit of Chiefs football before we get out of here. Uh, first of all, just open question. Anything that you've seen or heard from camp so far that piques your interest? Um, I really like the sound of what Juan Thornhill was saying, um, how he pointed to the fact that he's 100% ready to go. He acknowledged the fact that he wasn't 100% last year. And I, I know it's easy for people to turn around and say they weren't 100% when they have a down year. But with, with Thornhill, I genuinely believe that he meant it. And so for him to say that he's 100% and then you've got him paired with Matthew because they looked dominant, not last year, but the year before as a pair. They looked really good. They made it so much easier for the cornerbacks in the Super Bowl run. And I think with us not really knowing what we're going to get out of the defence as a whole, I think Thornhill being ready to go is a massive bit of news for the defence. Yeah, I think um, I think what I would say is I, I've really been impressed with Orlando Brown and the way he's been handling himself, just the way he's, um, he seems ready. He's just, he's, he's just fired up, ready to, to, to see what this, this new look O-line can do. And he's, he's very much part of the kingdom at the moment, isn't he? All of those guys are right. Trace. Yeah. Orlando Brown. Yeah. I, I was going to say, well, I, I actually just wrote about Orlando Brown. So good, good, uh, good call, Brad. Um, and, and the other part of it is the Trey Smith part. Look at that, that quote, man. That quote he came out with the other day talking about how much he loves violence and, and beating <laughs> people up. And man, he knows how to he knows how to get the hype train going for him. Cause I mean, that's that's gonna fire you up as a Chiefs fan, hearing a guy say, you know, he just and you could see it in his face. He's just like, Oh man, I love this. Yeah. You know, I love just beating people up. Being, and he kind of said that in the was it what was the Jeff Schwartz thing called the Big Boys Club? He said kind of a similar thing in that clip too. So you know this guy he, when he's on the field, he's going to try to bury someone, and and that's what the Chiefs' offensive line really needed. The self-proclaimed goon, I love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Can't wait to see them actually with pads being able to hit each other. Uh, I think that's going to be really fun to see, especially with Trey Smith and Orlando Brown. I was just going to say, like, 
the more the longer it goes on, the more I'm convinced that Trey Smith is going to be the guy on day one. And like before, if you asked me this question three weeks ago, I'd have said no. I've, mm. I would have com- been convinced it was LDT. But the more we hear about Trey Smith and the more we hear about Creed Humphrey, we probably accepted that Mike Remmers is going to be the guy on the right on a right tackle. And I, there's every chance that we're going to have two two rookies starting on the offensive line, which for Andy Reid is unheard of. But I'm genuinely excited for Project Youth on the offensive line. It's going to be so much fun. No, it's funny you say that, Tom, because I actually had a very similar thought. Just actually, like, yeah, today I want to say I was just thinking, like, man, I, I, I've kind of just had LDT penned in. I hadn't really even considered it for a while, but you know, why not throw a guard in? You know, it's a guard. I, I think the tackle position will be a little harder for them to say, all right, we can put you know a rookie out there because I think tackles are just a little more important. You're on an island a little more. Guard, you can kind of protect them a little bit. They don't have to be you know, as maybe experienced, they can just use their, you know, uh, their, their weight, their power and, and just, you know, bulldoze a defensive tackle and not have to uh, worry about, you know, maybe a, a premier edge rusher, you know, on the edge on an island, like I said. So, yeah, I'm with you. I think if he, if he really does show off uh, athletically and, and is just a guy that's just physically dominant, you know, over an LDT, who's not, you know, he's not going to be a physically dominant dude. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you, Tom. I had that same thought, you know, we might just see Trey Smith week one. Now, that's a good lead into our first Twitter question from Domsh at Domsh Ethan on Twitter, asking about who's getting reps and, and final predictions at offensive line. So we just came to a consensus, I guess, that Trey Smith has a good chance at right guard. I still think they're going to start off with LDT and then Trey Smith will have to win it from him, even though everybody, I think, in the building hopes that that happens. But uh, what other predictions do you have for uh, offensive line, linebacker or wide receiver? on who's going to get reps that we are anticipating. I think it's clear that wide receiver is going to go Hill, Hardman and D-Rub. I, I can't see them bringing, elevating anyone up to that WR3 or two spot. As much as I want like a Cornell Powell or a Callaway to come on and come in and just take D-Rob's snaps because I'm, I'm not a D-Rob guy. Me and Brad talk about it a lot. I'm just, I'm just not there. I think he, I think he does a job. I just think the amount we rely on him is, is too much for a player of his, his, his ability. I'm, I'm not on board with that. But I can't see any surprises there because it's the Andy Reid offense. Because it's renowned for being typically hard for wide receivers to pick up from early days. I think he's going to go tried and trusted, and he's going to go Tyreek Hill, um, Hardman, and then then D Rob, and then you, he's probably going to look to bring in Blake Bell on snaps and. Um, Travis Kelsey and snaps and go heavier with tight ends as opposed to bringing in the fourth and fifth guys on on offense. Yeah, I think I'm more interested in the uh, the linebackers to be honest, um, because I I'm, I'm quite hot on this Nick Bolton kid. Um, I keep talking about him on every single episode that we have, um, and Tom's probably sick of me talking about him. But Nick Bolton, I think he's got a good opportunity to 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 try and force his way in. I mean, he won't, he probably won't be obviously on, as you know, as the Mike linebacker that uh, Hitchens is. But um, I think he's got a good chance maybe sitting on the weak side maybe for a bit. I don't know. Um, it, I know they've got Willie Gay, who they're quite hot on, um, which, um, you know, it, it, it's going to be a nice, interesting look at this at this linebacker core because after those guys, I don't think we've got that much depth. Um, I know we've got like the likes of, uh, is Dorian, Dorian Daniel still there, isn't he? And we've got Ben Neiman. But I don't know. I just I just think we need to keep those core guys 
fit and healthy. And uh, yeah, the the linebacking group will be be interesting one to watch in uh, in in camp. So I've been on record not to not to be the bearer of of uh, negativity when it comes to Nick Bolton, especially as a Mizzou alumni myself. The I just don't think they're going to give him that much of a shot early on. I I, I feel like he's going to be buried at backup Mike all season, and we're going to be yeah. wondering why he's not on the field. But they do need somebody to play the Sam position for that twenty percent of the snaps where they actually use the Sam, right, Ron? So like there there is a spot there. I'm just not sure it's it's uh, he's not going to unseat Hitchens anytime soon. And I think they've got big things in mind for Gay. So for me, Bolton has to get those those uh, Damian Wilson strong side snaps if he's going to get on the field this season. Yeah, one of the things in training camp with the linebacker group is is I want to see them. I want to see Bolton and Gay kind of prove themselves enough to where they do feel comfortable, maybe getting you know cutting Neiman before the start of the season. And I know you know it's been up for a while. Yeah, I know this isn't like a, a a hot take or anything for Chiefs fans. You know, I think I think most Chiefs fans would like to see less of Neiman. You know, um, but he he does provide an experience to the defense, and I'm sure the staff values that. But Man, if we can, if Gay and Bolton can just prove themselves enough to where the staff feels comfortable putting them in, kind of throwing them into the fire, even as the, these young players that don't have much experience, man, just do it. You know, Neiman, you know, if, if Neiman, if you're losing a little with Neiman, you know, in terms of like intelligence, I think you're gaining it back with with Gay and Bolton's playmaking ability and being able to, you know, you know, make plays in in the passing game and the run game. And we just don't see that a lot with Neiman. So I don't see a lot of the value. And if the coaching staff can feel comfortable with those two young guys, just throwing them in there and and letting them kind of get their lumps in in their rookie season or obviously Gay in his second season. I'd love that. I'd love to see that. And I know, you know, sorry, Ben Neiman, if you're listening. But uh, yeah, I just, I'd, I'd really like to see the two young linebackers get thrown to the fire. You know, in a less consequential position, but maybe more fun to watch in training camp, I think it's going to be the backup tight end position with perennial training camp all-star Jody Fordson switching to that position group. And this year's uh, the guy that everybody wants to talk about in, in Noah Gray. I think there's some intrigue in the backup tight ends that are going to get some some play during camp, whether they get it on the season, in the regular season, and I'm not sure yet. So it's my turn to ask a question now. Um, I feel honored. Thank you. Thank you guys for letting me do this. Um, <laughs> this question comes from Jake Wilson, who's at Jake underscore four underscore now on Twitter. He asks, you can only sign four of the following guys. Which ones would it be? Uh, Tyron Matthew, Juan Fornhill, Legeria Sneed, Willie Gay, Derek Nardi, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. I'll go first on that one because I'm not going to say which four, but I'm going to say one guy that I'm ruling out for a contract immediately. And I hate myself for this because I find myself on the other side of running back value contracts and stuff. Ooh. But I, out of those four, I would be inclined to not re-sign Clyde, but only because I think Clyde is going to go off. I do. I think he's going to do really well. But running backs, the elite running backs do command huge contracts. Look what Christian McCaffrey got paid a couple of years ago. They do get good money when they do get paid. And yes, I love running backs. And yes, they do matter. Running backs do matter. But with the Mahomes contract coming up, I don't, I just don't think we should pay Clyde and the other guys offer more value at more pressing needs, including like a run stuff in defensive tackle. Like I'd rather pay Derek Nardi than Clyde. And I think that's a really good point you made, Tom, because it's not just about 
him as a running back. It's about how good he's going to be, right? Like, I, I do think it's a really good point. He's going to have a really good year in this offense, and I think even in his third year and fourth year, he should. There's no reason he shouldn't. And this offensive line is only going to get better and better in those two in the third and fourth year. So, I'm with you on that. And and in that same theme, you know, I, I think in today's NFL, the passing game is what matters, right? And so. The other guy I would say would, would be Derek Naughty. I think Naughty's the other one you, you don't sign out of that six, that group of six, because the rest of them all affect the pass a lot more than Naughty does. If you had a little more pass rushing upside, that'd be nice. But uh, yeah, I, th- I think in that same vein, I think Naughty and Clyde are the, the easy answers here. But anyone else have any uh, justification for signing someone over, over those guys? I think if Brad agrees, we have a consensus there. And yeah. we all. I'm agreeing with that for sure. I think uh, I think the other four there, um, Matthew Thornhill, Sneed and Gay, they just offer a lot more, I think. We also have a bit of breaking news that I think ties right into our podcast so far. So as we talked about how us stupid Americans just do not appreciate uh, true football as they should, uh, Patrick Mahomes has invested in a second Kansas City franchise buying a piece of Sporting KC. Oh, Wow. So I want to get some instant reactions here and see what everybody thinks about that. Well, I don't have an MLS team, and now I do. Now I do. I don't have a baseball team because I just can't get on with baseball, and not even Patrick Mahomes can make me support the Royals. Um, <laughs> but but I will support Sporting KC. There we go. Job done. Man, man, Patrick is really tying himself down. I mean, I know the contract already did it, uh, you know, in, in that vein, but man, already becoming part owner of the Royals and Sporting KC before he even turns what? He's he's he just turned 25, 25 I guess, yeah. or he's about yeah. to turn 25, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, wow. I Patrick really is just going for it. I love it because obviously, you know, it means he's committed to this community and this city and everything, but that's pretty crazy to do all of this stuff, you know, at this young of an age. You know, you could have done this stuff after your career. You could have done this stuff later down the line, but he's just going for it now. I think that's awesome. He's under move the all, well, I was going to say, move oh, over Clark Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> Clark better going. watch his back. Well, taking a bit from my day job, he's understanding the difference between uh, being rich and being wealthy. You know, you can be rich as an NFL player, but you but the owners are the ones that are wealthy. The guys writing the checks are, are wealthy. So I love that he's looking at ways to to build you know, not only his brand, his ties to the community, but his own net worth, his own empire, if you will. I think that's uh, I think that's all good news. Sorry to sorry to sidetrack. Did you see headlines last week when I ran with a story about Patrick Mahomes being paid in cryptocurrency? Yeah. Well, pardon me, when I when I put that as a headline, I was actually wondering, wonder if Patrick will actually see this, <laughs> and if he does, will he will he be inclined to start thinking about it? like Matt? You're clearly an investment. Is that the smart thing to do to put your money in Bitcoin right now? So. I'm personally not a big fan of it. I have to be careful what I say just for uh, licensing and regulatory reasons. Uh, This is not intended to be investment advice. This is for informational entertainment purposes only. But no, I think think cryptocurrency is is a, it's obviously a growing space and there's a lot to be decided. I think one of two things is going to happen. 50 years from now, we're going to look back and say, we're idiots for missing the boat on this thing. Uh, it was the, it was the next internet when the internet, you know, as we look back to when the internet came out and, and uh, this was, it's going to be transform transformational in that way, or it's going to be, you know, a, a fad that, that is, uh, um, that is seen as a joke down the road. I, I, I tend to lean more towards it's here to stay, but I, I, I don't know 
if I would be willing to put my entire salary in something as volatile as a cryptocurrency today, especially if my salary were half a billion dollars as it'd be. So what you're saying is basically Patrick Mahomes has done the right thing by investing in sports teams as opposed to crypto. <laughs> you know, as a long-term store of value, we haven't determined yet what uh, crypto is going to be, but I think we, we've seen the value of uh, sport franchises uh, that have that have grown over time. So we'll leave it there and go to, uh, you want to go to Jake's uh, next question, Tom? Okay, so Jake asks another question. He asks, if opponents try to keep Patrick Mahomes off the field, are the Chiefs better served by stout run defense or solid pass rush? This is a hard question. This is a hard question to answer. Pick your poison. Mm. I'll, so I'll go ahead and, and, and start off with this because I think we've seen this. You know, I, if you remember 2019, that specifically the Colts game in which they lost uh, at Arrowhead at night, um, we saw the Colts offense run down their throats and it seemed like, oh, the offense is never on the field. So you know, they don't get the, as many opportunities, but I will shout out my, our analytics folks, uh, you know, uh, um, Ethan, uh, he used to work for Arrowhead pride. He no longer does anymore, but he did. I remember the article and I, and I agreed with him because you do still get the same amount of possessions, even if the timing of them, you know, maybe they're more spaced out. Maybe you don't get them as quickly. It, it's really, you only lose one, maybe a possession a game, you know, if the other team is really controlling clock. It's not like you get two or three less possessions a game. So it's still on the offense to score when they have those possessions. And so I would still lean that you need a, a solid pass rush. If they want to run down your throats, you know, I, you still need to stop it. But Passing defense is what's important, and I and I do think once you get to those third downs, the pass defense needs to to be more stout than the run defense, and the offense just needs to take advantage of the possessions they get. I don't know. Like I I I agree with you. The numbers definitely weigh in your favor, but I'm just such a like a big energy and motivation, not motivation, momentum guy, that there's nothing more sapping as a fan watching a team run the ball over and over and over. Like, I think that's like the Steelers game against, I know they didn't score many points, but that playoff game, we're just watching Le'Veon Bell run after run after run after run. It's just so, as a fan, so it's happening. It can't be great for the sideline as well. Okay, it's fine if you don't give up seven at the end of it, but for me, I, momentum matters and you can lose momentum when the other team is just going on drive after drive after drive. So as a fan, I actually prefer probably solid Rundy, which is the incorrect answer, but it's what I'm going with. I'm going to side with my British British friend there. I'm going to say that, the, yeah, the run, the run D, like we've seen over the last few years, the Chiefs run D has not been effective at all. It'd be just nice to see it once in a while. Yeah. It'd be really nice to see it. So I would go with a solid run D for me. Now, maybe you can straddle the fence here and say that if you have a really solid run defense, you're making teams one-dimensional and therefore your pass rush is going to be better because they can pin their ears back and, and yeah. actually you know, get home. So, so you could, I think you could argue it either way. Um, obviously I'm always in favor of balance. So I'd rather have a mediocre uh, defense on in both regards <laughs> than one that's completely lopsided. But, and I think to Brad's point, uh, you know, the run defense has been bad over the past two years. And it seems like the, the time it did kind of step up was a Super Bowl run in 2019. That's mm -hmm. when it actually, it seemed like they actually were playing their best run defense with Mike Pinnell and their MV Pinnell. And yeah, and that's and obviously that's when they have played their best in the past two years. So I, I do think there's legitimacy to that, but I, I'm still going to lead pass rush. I'm, I'm staying on my side of the fence. 
So Jake's final question, we've got another one from Jake. It's, uh, will Mitch Schwartz become an assistant O-line coach slash emergency offensive tackle in Kansas City? You know, I know this is in response to those headlines that a lot of the players have said that they were working with or getting tips from uh, Mitch as they came into camp or prior to coming into camp. You know, I think the idea of him coming back as a tackle for the Chiefs is probably pretty far-fetched at this point, as poetic as that would be. Um, it seems like once they cut a player that, you know, they've moved on and, and the players probably moved on as well. But uh, it's nice to see him contributing still to the, uh, the develop, development of those young players. Well, I, I do want to say one thing, though. He was on 610 Sports Radio a few times. He's actually just been in studio with him for like a whole hour. It's kind of cool to kind of just hear him talk about stuff. But CDOT was kind of uh, – Carrington Harrison was pretty good about p- pressing him about, you know, whether he would return or not. And that was the thing. I, I thought it was interesting. He never really ruled it out. He, was called, he kind of always said, hey, if I'm healthy and, and they call, I'll take the call. And, and if I'm feeling good, shoot, I might show up to training camp. I mean, he basically said that. So it, it, it does kind of make me think – Maybe we see him all of a sudden week six or seven. All of a sudden we hear Mitchell Schwartz has been staying in shape and all of a sudden he's in the building and he's good. You know, he'll be a, a depth piece or, you know, maybe right tackle's not working out and, and they bring him in. So I don't I wouldn't bank on it, but I do find it interesting that Mitchell himself has not really closed the door on. It. He's actually been pretty open about it. <laughs> he's not even looking. <laughs> I thought he was pointing to you. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> right, anyway, let's, let's move on with Brad's question uh, from Chef Boyar DG. Yeah, uh, I think it's Chief Boyar DG. Is it at Chief Boyar DG? Um, you have one player on each side of the ball that you can clone and have two of them on the field at the same time. Who would you pick and why? The fact that we have so many good options in this to this question shows how great this roster really is, even though it has its flaws. This is a good question. It is a good I, question. I, yeah. I really like I really like this question. Just thinking about it, um, I, I I'll go first, and I think that, and I'll I'll start on just one side of the ball. Maybe we can all uh, you know have our defensive ones, but I think the obvious one on defense is Chris Jones. I mean, imagine having two Chris Jones on the pass rush. I mean, who's I see Stags making a little face at me, but imagine an offensive line trying to stop two Chris Jones at the same time. I mean, that's I, I can't even, and especially if they're both on the interior quarterback trying to throw over those guys. Man, I don't know. That would be my answer, but it sounds like I, I, I might be uh, alone or, you know, uh, alone on that one. What do you think? No, I hear you. I was actually reading this question differently. In my head, it was it was going to be two on two. So you you only had you only had this player cloned and, and not the rest of the team. But if, if you've got the other nine players on defense and two Chris Joneses, yeah, I think that would be that'd be pretty fun. I would go on offense and say Tyreek Hill, uh, having a Tyreek Hill on each side or one in the slot Ooh. and one out wide would be pretty hilarious to watch defenses uh, try to defend. Yeah, I think on offense, it's pretty easy. You either go Hill or Kelsey, just two, like mm. some people might say two Mahomes, but you don't need two Mahomes. But two of those guys would be incredible to watch. But on defense, I, I don't agree with you, Ron. I don't, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I know we've kind of got like mini Matthew in Legereus Sneed, but for me, if you could have two Tyron Matthews and a Legereus Sneed and a healthy one Vaughn Hill, then you're not passing on that defense. Like you don't know, like you quarterbacks already have to get to the line and they have to account for Tyron Matthews as it is. Imagine having to account for two of them and Legereus Sneed. That, that to me would just be chaos and I'm here for it. I was going to actually say double up on Sneed. 
<laughs> two sneed blooming or not. Because I think the the, the way that as it's, uh, Spags uses him, um, I can just imagine having two Legereus Sneeds use him in the blitz. With Tyron, though, it's funny because it seems like he's all over the field anyway. So having two of them, I mean, they're they're covering every inch of the field. So yeah, no, I'm with I'm with you, Tom. I think that would be crazy, but I just I couldn't imagine a quarterback trying to throw over two Chris Jones coming out. Yeah. There might be some teams that think there's two Matthews on the field already. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> Can I just add as well? I, on the offensive side, if I was allowed two on the offensive side, I would go with two Orlando Browns and have one at left tackle and one at right tackle. Boom, sorted. I like that. Not bad. I, Not bad. I don't know how you would employ two Mahomeses, but it'd be that would be pretty fun to see too. <laughs> I don't know if you're drawing up some like you know double pass back type uh, type options, but it'd be like the Saints, won't it, when they, when they had two quarterbacks on the field? If they say if you have two quarterbacks, you have none, right? So that may, <laughs> maybe that wouldn't be good. All right, Ron, I think we have time for one more question. All right. Well, the man of the hour, we've talked about him a few times. Uh, Juan Thornhill, our guy, Thomas Ramirez at T-E-R-O-3 on Twitter, asked if Juan Thornhill takes a big leap this year now that he's fully healthy. I, I mean, I think we've all kind of talked about it. I think we can all say yes, right? I think we, we can expect yeah. a, a, a big leap this year. Mm-hmm. I don't know how big of a leap because, you know, his rookie season, he was already really good. Um, you know, if he gets to that level, it's already great. But if he could take an even bigger step than that, and you know, a Pro Bowl kind of player, I mean, I don't know. This defense is is even crazier in that sense. Um, and and just the second question too, I, real quick before we get into our discussion, Neil from LJ at Neil Geisler, maybe I got that right. Will Thornhill be dominant this year, and what percentage snaps is he projected for early on this year? And I will note he played seventy one percent of the snaps last year, so that seems like quite a bit. I don't know if it's going to go up much, but he just might be more effective on those snaps. What do you guys think? I like Fawnhill. I mentioned earlier like how I'm excited to see him at 100%. And with Fawnhill, the comparison that I always see, and you might think I'm well off here, but I see a bit of like Hussein Abdullah in, mm. in one Fawnhill. Like, like Abdullah like, was kind of like the unspoken guy of like this early Andy Reid year in the defense. Like He always seems just to pop up and everywhere and that's what I see about Juan Thornhill and like obviously where our expectations for him are higher than whatever Hussein Abdullah managed to achieve I know he picked off Tom Brady once which was great we'd like to see Juan Thornhill do that in a Super Bowl maybe but um, I, I'm, I'm excited about him I, he's still young he's what, only in year three he was so good in year one took a downturn in year two because of injury I'm here for him having like a pro bowl type season alongside Tyron Matthew and I, I think it's well within reach for him yeah, I mean, imagine this sa- team with the one of the best safety duos in the league. Because if, you, if you're talking about Juan Thornhill at a Pro Bowl level, you already have Tyron Matthew at an All-Pro level. And, you know, mm-hmm. we, can, we can expect him to play at a similar level this year. Yeah, I mean, this team, and that's kind of why maybe they've been able to not invest as much at quarterback because they know that their safeties are going to cover up the deficiencies their cornerbacks have. And with Thornhill and Matthew, if you got two Pro Bowl-type players, man, I don't know. Like you were mentioning earlier, how... I don't know how they're gonna. Anyone's gonna pass on this team. What does that look like, though? What does a productive season from Thornhill look like? What's the, what's the top end from him? I know we're saying Pro Bowl level, but is this a, is he a six, seven, eight interception guy? Does he hit? Does he have that type of ability? I know he's got a ton of range back there, and I think he's got a nose for the football. But is he? I mean, could could he could he outplay Matthew in in terms of statistics? I I think we pick like. 
like Ron was saying there, if you pair them up, obviously, um, I think Thornhill has that ability to work off Matthew and and really hit those big numbers. Really does. Um, I know they were talking about before that he he did struggle with his injury mentally because of trying to get back from an ACL is obviously difficult, and you know the rehab that's that's part of that. But trusting the knee afterwards, I think, has been a big um, a big issue for him. And and hopefully he's got his his mindset right that we can start seeing the Thornhill of, of, of old, shall we say. I know he's, I know he's only there, been, been there a few seasons now, but it'd be really good to see him at least getting, yeah, I would say eight or nine interceptions this time. Yeah, it'd be exciting to see what that does to the rest of the depth chart too, right? So you're pushing yeah. down Sorensen and you're pushing down, you know, other players that maybe you'd like to see less of. It'd be interesting to see what effect the addition of Jaron Reed and the kicking out of Chris Jones to defensive end has on terms in terms of the stats for the the defensive backfield because like last year the pass rush was pass rush wasn't great. It, it, we all know it wasn't. The year before it was much better, and we saw that in production in terms of interceptions. So maybe with Chris Jones going outside, Jaron Reed coming inside, and then on third downs, you're going to what line up Frank Clark, Jaron Reed, Chris Jones, and potentially Taco Charlton, which just sounds terrifying um, for offensive uh, for quarterbacks. Then maybe it's going to lead to more jump balls being thrown, maybe some errant passes, which Juan Fournell might be able to get, uh, maybe may able to reel in. All right, guys. Well, it's been a really fun show. I really enjoyed myself. Yeah. I hope you guys did too. I hope Loved the listeners yeah. did. Make sure you're listening to all the podcasts on the Airhead Pride Podcast Network, including these two's coming out every Saturday, the Great British Chiefs Show. Uh, appreciate you listening. Give a rating review, a five-star if you could, on wherever you listen to the podcasts, and we'll catch you next time. to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today. The Current Podcast is back with an exciting new season featuring marketing executives from the world's most influential brands. Tune in to hear what's driving conversation in the fast-moving world of digital advertising with unique insights from brands as diverse as Hilton, Instacart, Moderna, Major League Soccer, and more. And in this presidential election season, The Current explores what a national political advertiser like the National Republican Senatorial Committee and a major CPG brand like Hershey can learn from each other. Listen in and subscribe to The Current at thecurrent.com or wherever you get your podcasts.